So, precious Father, bless our moments together. Thank you for the testimonies and just the heart of each man in this room. It's really amazing, just uh, the miracle and the work of grace and uh, the story, our story, and really we are understanding your story behind our story and seeing your faithfulness again and again. And Lord, just meet our needs this weekend. Uh, just may your spirit encourage, challenge, empower, correct, convict, and just uh, deeply inspire us this weekend. Thank you for the church here in Houston. And uh, we just really ask for uh, just your spirit to move in a special way, a memorable way this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I have my notes on my phone here, so. <laughs> so, uh, if you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 22, a, a theme that has really been in my heart for the last two months or so about taking back territory, and it's been a personal theme that, I, that I've been kind of developing in my own life, just how uh, we're in such a place in our country that we can see the loss of ground so evidently. And um, there are lots of reasons for that. But I just thought, in a practical way, how does this affect me? And one of the things I was thinking about is how the devil wants to take back territory in my own life. He wants to have the light that in my life turn to darkness. And how does that happen? It happens really when when what we're doing and or what we're a part of is absent from the Holy Spirit. And we just heard an amazing song about holy ground and how that any ground can be holy if the Holy Spirit is invited to it. If it's a if it's an area that's consecrated unto him. So the most vile thing can be sanctified because the Holy Spirit's given dominion, right? The Holy Spirit's given power. The Holy Spirit's given the ability to uh, change, uh, change these things from uh, my way to his way. And I, I was thinking about just men in general and just how my brother kept using this word pressure today. And I don't know about you, I've experienced that word. Um, I've ex- I feel like the warfare has intensified because we have crossed over a new line of evil in our country and really in, in our world because the devil knows his time is short. And I just thought, how can we take back territory? How is it that we can be an overcomer in these last days? Uh, because in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus said to Moses, whatever, uh, we said to Joshua, whatever the sole of your feet touches, it is yours. You have authority over it. And maybe we can think about that like as we look at our cities, we look at our families, we look at our neighborhoods, we look at our, um, you know, maybe even our workplaces. It's like, okay, we can see where the devil has the upper hand, but how can we take back that territory how can we have the authority of God reign in that area? And I just, I wanted to give a couple practical thoughts about it. And uh, I think Luke 22, uh, 30, 
uh, yeah, 31 is a, is a good illustration. So just think about that uh, in your own life, maybe in your family, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your personal life. <coughs> Satan may have had advantage. He can come in anytime he wants, do what he wants, and leaves without any type of challenge. And it's interesting, I'm remembering a time in Frederick recently on outreach, and uh, we were doing some soul winning, and we had walked up to an Indian lady that was a, uh, she was Hindu, and we just began to share the love of Jesus with her. And she became very combative, very agitated, and uh, she started to personally insult us. She started to speak really strange and volatile things to us. And I just thought to myself, this is not a natural situation. And we began to speak the name of Jesus to her. And every time we mentioned the name Jesus to her, she would step backwards. It's really interesting. And what had happened was she came out and said, after an exchange, she goes, we are here. We. She used the word we. We are here to, to frighten you away from Frederick. We do not want you here. Wow. And it was Pastor Dennis and I, and it was definitely a demonic encounter. And uh, we came away from that saying that we have disturbed the undisturbed, right? There were some, there were some undisturbed demons that were disturbed because of the authority of Christ, walking in the authority of Christ. Weakness, yet there we were with stammering lips just presenting the gospel. And this lady ran away. She did not walk away. She ran away. And we then were able to do sketchboard, and we had an amazing time in, in the uh, downtown area. And we had such authority uh, for the rest of the afternoon. But the point is, is we took back territory. We, we brought the authority of God into the situation where God, where truth had fallen in the street in Isaiah 59, 14. So, so how does that happen? Uh, well, he says here, And the Lord said to Simon, Behold, Satan has desired to have you, and to, that he may sift you as wheat. And I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not, and when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. And I... I always love this verse because Satan has desired to have you. He said that about Job, right? Just let me have his life. Um, he knows those that are his. He knows those that are walking with him in weakness. Remember what they said about David? He said he is weak yet anointed, right? Weak yet anointed. And you are anointed of God. Maybe you think you've done something great for God. Maybe you don't think you've done something great for God. It doesn't matter. It's who you walk with. The authority of, of the Christ in your life is so much greater than anything we could do or create. So my point here is that the devil has desired to sift you. And this is a very interesting word in the Greek. It literally means to beat the strength or to beat the fight out of you. Simon, the devil wants to beat the fight out of you. Isn't that interesting? So as men, we are made to fight. We are made to advance. We're made to initiate. We are made to conquer. We're made to lead. And when we don't do these things, 
we, the, uh, there's another authority that takes over our life. Fear has authority. Anxiety, insecurity, uh, maybe past failures, maybe guilt, shame, and fear have this authority. And the sifting happens, the beating happens. You ever seen someone in a boxing ring that's been, that gets into the corner and they just beat them? Literally, they're beaten. And I don't know if you've in, encountered any blows in a fight. Uh, after a few blows, you're seeing stars, you're starting to feel a little dizzy, feeling a little wobbly, right? Satan loves to corner the believer and beat on him. Beat the fight at him so that he quits, that he looks at himself, that he second guesses himself, that he overthinks, that he uh, just imagines. A, we're going to talk about this maybe this week in, ne in Nehemiah 6, 8. He, he imagines a vain thing. He creates something out of nothing. But I love these words. And these are the words I'd like you to think about. Jesus said, I have prayed for you. That is an incredible statement. Hebrews 7.25 talks about him interceding for us. But imagine that. I have prayed for you. Now, when you're under pressure, what do you want to do when you're under pressure? You want to alleviate that pressure. What do you do when you're in pain? What do you do when you're in temptation? Right? What do you want to do when everything inside of you is screaming, but you have to stay contained? Right? What do you do? Well, there needs to be a diffuser or a pressure release valve, right? And hopefully it's not uh, you erupting or me erupting on, on other people. Because <laughs> uh, oftentimes uh, hurt people hurt people or we hurt the people we really love, right? So that word, that word, I have prayed for you. I want us to think about that like... Jesus praying for me. Now, if you look at John 17 real quick. John 17. Um, so, you know, it, it's just interesting to think that Jesus would not only know our name, not only count the footsteps. He counts your footsteps in Job 31.4. He bottles our tears. He's very personal, right? But he prays for us like prayer. Like Jesus intercedes to the Father for you. When you and I are under pressure, when you and I are between a rock and a hard place, when you and I want to quit, right? And by the way, when you want to quit, that usually means that you're right at the pinnacle or you're right at the edge of victory. So when you want to quit, when you want to throw in the towel, that's usually when you're ready for a breakthrough. <laughs> Can I say something? You know what carbon is, don't you? That's okay. What lead's made out of. Uh huh. So when you put lead under pressure, it becomes a diamond. There you go. So you're talking about pressure. You have to go through pressure to be a diamond. Excellent. There's a good example right there. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow, that's that's brilliant. So it's like. It's amazing what happens. That there's good pressure, right? There's the pressure that. Can be toxic it's and just, can hurt us. It's just on top of the land. It's just lead. Yeah. But if it's under pressure and fire, it becomes a diamond. Beautiful. So, yeah. And also, there's also pressure like hydraulics, right? Hydraulic mm -hmm. pressure, which actually moves you. There's bad pressure, toxic pressure that hurts us, and then there's good pressure that moves us and advances us. So that's a great, great point. 
Well, anyway, just look at this here, um, John, John 17. So maybe just uh, four things I could suggest that will help us in taking back territory. Um, number one, it's, rem it's remember, remember what originally was the pattern before the devil hijacked it. Okay, so just think about the human race for a minute. God, a man was made to what? He was made to what? Have dominion. Have dominion to rule, to glorify God, right? That was the original pattern, right? God made us to be um, caretakers of the garden, right? To be rulers. And what happened? The devil comes in and he hijacks it, right? So remembering who God has made us to be is an excellent way to bring in perspective, right? I think about our nation. What, what is the key to prosperity in our nation? It was directly related to our connection to the Word of God and to the, the principles of God. You take God out, then there's, there's d decay and deterioration, right? Inevitably. So remembering the pattern, okay, it's so important. The pattern of a family, the atomic family, right? The kingdom family, okay? We know what the reason is for the family. It's not two dads and kids. It's not two moms and kids. It's a mother and father, right? It's the, the dynamics and, the, and the, <laughs> the beauty of marriage, right? The second thing that helps us identify and take back territory is to address the Antichrist narrative. So what does that mean? Like, there's, there's like another narrative to what Christ's word says, right? Christ's words point back to the heart of Christ. We interpret the things of God by the heart of God. But an Antichrist narrative is absent from the absolutes of God, right? So it's humanism or it's relativism. It's this narrative that is very much designed to point back to you are your own God, okay? The self-absorbed, the myoptic, the uh, self-oriented gospel, the social gospel. So to address the Antichrist narrative. So what does that mean? It means that we come into an area and we recognize... Okay, this is holy ground because we're inviting the Holy Spirit here and we're addressing the atmosphere or we're addressing anything that is opposing the Holy Spirit from having dominion, right? So what does that mean? There's prayer. There is maybe worship. Very interestingly enough, in Ezra 3.3, before they built the foundations of the temple, what did they build? What was the first thing they built? Before the Holy foundation, yeah, what was the first thing they built? Place for the ark. The altar. The altar. Before they even built the foundations, they built an altar. What a great way to address an area is on our knees, right? To discern, okay, what is it? What's God's plan for this area, right? You ever go to a new area? I know in Frederick it's been very interesting there's like old demons in that city. They're really old demons. It's, 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 and I'm not a demon hunter either, but uh, we, we encounter some uh, strange stuff every week. But what's amazing is you go in with the power and authority of God and the devil 
wants to sift, but what happens? Jesus prays and the devil exits. It's amazing. Jesus prays like Jesus is praying in John 17 that we are one even that as we are one, that they would know the love of God, that we would not be uh, separated from his Father. It's amazing the things that Jesus prays. Let me give you two more things. So address the Antichrist narrative. To address the lie. What is speaking to my life? What's speaking to me? Oh, you're a loser. You'll never make it. Or your past disqualifies your present. Or you could never be used of God because you did, you did X, Y, Z. Antichrist narrative. Like to address that and say, that is not... I'm taking back that territory. I'm taking back that mind space. I'm taking back that soul space. I'm, I'm letting God fill my heart and cast out the lie. It's very powerful. So it's geographical, but it's also, uh, it can be emotional, right? Emotional. That's emotional territory. Like how much energy we can lose. Like um, kind of a funny thing. Uh, I have a pool at home. And uh, I, filled, I filled it up, and it leaked, right? So you put 5,000 gallons in it, and the next day there's nothing. So you do that a couple times, that's very expensive, right? So there's holes in my pool that I could not find, and I'm like, it's like on my mind. I don't know about you, like, I fixate on things. I, I hold on to things. I'm like, I have to figure it out. I have to, fi- I have to solve this problem. I don't know if that's good or bad. So it's normal. Okay, thanks, Pastor. (laughs) So I'm like patching everything. I'm like patching everything. It looks like a hole. I got like three inches of glue in the bottom of my pool. No. I mean, it's practically. So I wind up calling a guy who's like this. He's a diver. So I say, hey, can you? And he specializes in fixing pools. So he jumps in there and he's, he, uh, he literally patches 12 holes. And I said, have you seen a pool this bad? And he goes, no. I, he goes, I've, I've patched a pool that was 60. I had to put 60 patches in it. So I'm like, wow, you should probably retire that pool, right? And he goes, no, you got a lot of life in this one. <laughs> so, I call, so I call my pool the speckled bird. But uh, the, the, the point is this, is like I was using so much mental energy to figure out this pool that when he finished it, I literally slept for like 10 hours afterwards. I was so exhausted. Mm. I mean, have you done that before? You thought about something so great? Yeah, I would love to sleep 10 hours. Oh, okay. I was slothful. No, I mean, so the whole point was I was using a whole lot of mental, emotional fatigue, and it was all on this anti-Christ narrative. Like, where was Christ in this? Well, Christ is so much greater than, than what we think the problem is. So addressing the anti-Christ narrative, like, that is so important. All right, two, two other things. Confess faith and reality even in another reality. Like, in the face of fear, we confess faith. That is a great way to take back territory. Like to say, okay, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. You ever pray that prayer? I think I pray that every day. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, right? I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't see how this is going to glorify you. This, this, this is wrong. Like we can have a very much a 
a pragmatic faith that's absent of fear, uh, absent of faith. God says, confess faith. Confess those things that are not as though they are. And what happens, we start to take back territory in our heart, and that's where confidence happens. That's where assurance happens. That's where trust happens. Like, reason why trust is such a, such a, uh, a sacred commodity in a believer's life is that the more that we're assured of the faithfulness of God is the more that we will grow in trust. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's amazing. So it's like, okay, God, I have been hurt in my past, but I'm going to give you my hurt, and I'm going to let that place where my hurt was be filled with who you are. And what happens? That territory is taken back, and all of a sudden we're able to forgive because and we're able to love because we love and forgive ourselves. Uh, I know this is a brief thought tonight, but this is kind of loaded. Then lastly, don't take your hand off the plow, right? I think that was a big one. Um, so when you read John 17, don't take your hand off the plow. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, revival follows the plow. So I think of what Brandon's doing in uh, Florida, or all of us for that matter. God's given us a plow. He's, he's causing us to dig deep to prepare room for the seed. Maybe it's in our families. Maybe it's in church planting. Uh, maybe it's in a, it's in a um, you're investing in someone's life and you're just breaking new ground and you're just pouring Christ. Don't take your hand off of it. See, this is the thing. The devil wants us to stop what we're doing because the weakest believer on their knees is the greatest threat to the devil. So the devil's great at minimizing the work of God, and God is saying, listen, I'm doing a work in you so I can do a work through you. Don't stop. Don't, don't be belittled. Don't be belittled. Don't, like the Bible school down here in, in Houston, huge. It's a huge thing. Think of the Bible school in Wilmington, huge, right? It's yeah. huge what's going on. And it's like if there's five people or 50 people, it doesn't matter. It, it's don't take your hand off the plow. Because what are we doing? We are, we are advancing and, 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 and what God is filling and he is uh, breaking new ground and he's uh, causing this ground to be holy ground. So maybe this is another message for tomorrow, but holy ground is a place that is consecrated to God. It's a barren place that can become a fruitful place because now God has authority there. Right? Acts 1.8, you have authority. You are my witnesses. You have authority. So I just feel like as we, as we go towards the rapture, I want to take authority in my own life personally, family's life, but also in my neighborhood. I want to walk down my streets and pray for my neighbors. Uh, prayer is a huge thing. Prayer is the nothing happens without prayer. Uh, in our nation, I'm not. I'm not. I am not going to sit on my hands. I'm not going to be silenced. But we're praying for boldness and courage in these days to say, "No, devil, that's not going to happen on my watch." And we speak Christ, and we can we continue in consistency. And that's why I'm excited about this trip because I believe God's anointed each one of you and your in your areas of influence to, to take back territory. Well, I'll just I'll close here. It says this. It says, uh, I have kept them in verse 12, that we would know that we're kept, that Scripture would be fulfilled in our lives. Uh, 
want to read this one spot, that they might be one as you are one, Father, are to me and I in thee, that they may also be one in us, and the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I give to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect in one, that, thou, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and that thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I mean, this is, this is what Jesus is praying. I mean, this chapter is loaded to bear. But I just want to, maybe I'll close it. When you feel like you're just being pummeled, you're getting right hooks, left hooks, uppercuts, hammer, hammer jacks, what do you call those, uh, with the, uh, axe kicks, right? My son and I were playing around the other day, and he gave me a right hook. It was like, whoa. <laughs> when you feel like that, that raw jab, it's like, God's like, I've prayed for you. <laughs> and when you've been uh, converted you will strengthen the brethren. Like God is doing a big work. He's taken over territory. Sin is becoming less effective. The appetite of sin is becoming less. And if we fail, we get back up and we brush off the dust and we say, Lord, let's strengthen the brethren. Like I need my brother, right? I need my brothers and we're strengthening each other. And so, amen. That's just some fresh thoughts there. What came to me is in the Bible study, Steve, Tom, and others. It's the time factor is what gets me, the germination part. I mean, mm. I know God's called me to do things, but it's just his timing, just the timing part. I guess he's building my roots down deeper, yeah. the germination part. It's the time part. It's just waiting for his time to come. <laughs> it's amazing how he's not on our schedule, isn't it? <laughs> That's a good thing. None of us have the gift of patience, that's for sure. I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to get it patient. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That was fresh, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's how we live. You know, we're here and... You know, you, you said, Pastor, you know, it was like so good for us, for you, for us to come down to be with you. But it's so good for us mm-hmm. to be able to be together. And, uh, you know, Psalm 133 talks about this thing called unity. And unity is not sameness. And I think that very often it, as Christendom finds Christendom finds its security and sameness and wants to move away from diversity. And I don't mean a social diversity, but a gift diversity, a portion diversity. And like what Pastor Jason was saying, it was like, I need you to be who you are in Christ. And you need me to be who I am. In Christ, and then we all need to get together because that's where the commanded blessing will be. So, this is this is a good exercise in light of what you're saying. You know, in terms of, you know, taking back, you know, rightful territory, and uh, it really did prompt me on on some great thoughts, Pastor Jason. So, thank you. Um, how are we all doing? You doing all right? We're all right. You're all right. We're all right. Take a deep breath in, you know. 
I mean, you know, like we should have brought out some of that hot sauce down here. You know, that would have cleared out the cockles. Yeah, there we go. Good hot sauce. This is the hot sauce man right here. He was educating me on that. He likes hot sauces right there too. The other Dave too. Yeah. David, Peter, you all right? You are so tired. You're you're so true. I am with you. I but you know what I always say to him? I said, you're a young man. I mean, yeah, right. You know, wait until you put on a couple more decades or something. You want coffee? No. No, he's he's all right. I'm I'm halfway teasing him. Hey, let's turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter three, please. And I'm gonna be very brief. I don't know. <laughs> Because since you said so, Brandon, we'll go a couple hours. Yeah. Um, but um, <clears throat> the idea, and one of the one of the great principles here, found with Moses. Okay. And you know, we hear Moses. Moses was a towering figure, and the nation of Israel's life. Like, you know, he, he was unsurpassed in terms of his, his, uh, his life, his ministry, you know, <laughs> 120 years. And break that up into three, you know, three 40-year sessions. I mean, some of us, you know, haven't even been on the planet for 40 years. But that's how, you know, impactful his life was. So, uh, where did that? Where did he begin? And what do we see in Moses, not at the conclusion of his life, but as we're going to see here at the very beginning, at the very outset? And it's pretty awesome. Now we know. Okay, so here he is, backside of the desert, Midian. He's keeping, you know, flock. He's like, you know, every day the same thing repeated over and over and over again. Ad nauseum. I mean, it's like, you know, your life is predictable. What's yesterday going to be like? What's going to be like tomorrow? And the same thing. So no motivation, no inspiration, okay? And... I was reading Oswald Chambers this morning, you know, and I tell you, I, you know, it's been just incredible. His devotional, The Utmost for His Highest. My wife and I have read that, literally, we have read that for 32 years. Wow. And I got to remember, I read this last year yeah. and the year before and the year before that. And I'm reading it now and it's like fresh. It's like, wow. But he talks about um, how we think that God is going to, he's preparing us. And we understand this, okay? He's preparing us. But we think so often that maybe he's preparing us for something great, i.e. ministry or however we want to define it. Doing something for God, okay? And he cited the fact that the real greatness is, is in what God is doing here and now. He says it like that. Here and now. So what's the most important thing that's going on in my life is right here, is right now. It's with you guys. Yes. And like when, when we sang, you know, holy ground, we're standing. 
We're standing. This is what happened to Moses. So, the bush that burned, okay, but wasn't consumed. So we think, man, that's that's the miracle. But it wasn't the miracle, <laughs> you know, like a, an event or some sort of uh, miraculous occasion is pretty much one and done, you know. I mean, we could have said to Moses, what did you see out there? He says, man, I saw a bush that was burning and it wasn't consumed. Oh, that's great. But you know what the real miracle was? (laughs) Is that God spoke to Moses. God called Moses. 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 And he's doing that today. He's doing that today. And I love when Paul talks about our calling, okay? It's not to something. It can be, but that's the effect. It's to someone. We've called, we've been called unto the fellowship of God's dear son. Period. Whatever comes out of that is the work of grace. But if we miss that and we're looking to kind of do something. I and mean, of course, we want to be fruitful. But, you know, fruit fruit comes from John 15, doesn't it? Yes. Abiding in the vine. Yes. It is like <laughs> locational. Like, you know, like many of us can say, we've been in this same location, same church, same ministry. And, I, and I, my heart gets broken because there are a lot of dear, precious brothers and sisters and they're looking for the perfect church. <laughs> and as soon as they find it, okay, it ain't that ages and not perfect anymore yet. But more importantly is that that is not the objective. The psalmist says, Psalm 119. I think it's 89. He says this. He says, I have seen the end of perfection. Another translation has it like, you know, I've come to the conclusion that perfection has brought. And isn't it interesting that some kind of way we think in our minds that, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if I was perfect? However that might look, you know, what does that mean? Well, you know, I don't. Sin, I don't, you know, like, I don't waver, I don't want to quit, I don't want to give up, I don't, you know, I want to be the best friend, best brother, best husband, best, you know, person. Well, but that's not God's goal. So the B part of that verse says, he says, but your commandments continue. This is a paraphrase, but. On and on and on. Your word, God, continues past perfection. Mm-hmm. Think of that. Wow. So we never arrive, but we're already here. <laughs> it's paradoxical, isn't it? We never arrive. So, but I fathom where God has brought me. I'm not looking for something past that. <clears throat> Because there is nothing past that except the fact of where the word of God will take me. Okay. So here's Moses. And so for 40 years, he's done the same thing. 
And I'm sure he got up Monday through Friday, you know, not expecting anything, you know, out of the ordinary, nothing extraordinary. However, it's very interesting because what God says to him, <laughs> let's, let's take a look here. And, and it's amazing because <clears throat> um, it says that um, in Exodus 3, 6, moreover, God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, he's talking to Moses historically, okay? <clears throat> While Moses was in Egypt, okay, God was the God of this living ancestral reality that he had. But he left that. He got exiled from that. And now he's out in the wilderness, mm. obviously thinking it's over. It's over, you know, I'll be with these, I'll be a herdsman until I go, you know, into eternity. But it's interesting that <clears throat> the Lord is addressing him to go back to where he was, but not as the person he was. And this is, this is the thing that is amazing for us, is regaining what we already have. And it's almost awkward language. What does it mean to regain? I already have it. Yes. So like what Peter was saying, he says, you know, a good minister is one who reminds you of what, you've alre what you already know. You already know these things. This is why this fellowship, why the body, the body life is so important for us. Because you're reminding me of who I am in Christ, and I'm doing the same thing for you on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And it is an affirmation and confirmation that God is faithful over the decades. Man. So 40 years for Moses. 37 Right, Pastor? 32. 32. Well, I mean, you know, hey, listen. We can throw a couple of a couple more decades in there. It's still good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, uh, but here's, here's something else that I think is interesting. So Moses is there, and in verse 8, God says, I am come down, I am come down to deliver the people up. Get the direction here. God descends and the people come up, in this case, to the promised land. And Jesus Christ is the perfect example of the humility of God to put on human flesh, to be born into this world, this world, <laughs> mm. bypassing the angelic realm, putting on human flesh, and then getting that human flesh to lead the disciples who were just like you, just like me, and getting them to then carry on this message, okay? How does that happen? 
same way. God, I'm not looking for a burning bush. I'm looking for the God of the burning bush. I'm not looking for an event or something to inspire me externally. I want the Holy Spirit in me and in you to speak to us. To speak to us. And the moment that the devil lies, like you're saying, Pastor, that you're, you're out here, you're on your own. You're isolated. Nobody's praying for you, thinking of you, doing anything with you. That is the lie. That is the lie. Until we, we see this, and maybe we see it just for three or four days, we're going to see it for an international, international convention. Amen. Last week yeah. of June. Of June. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> we need, you, know, you know what's provoked me is that there are folks that they got to get a visa. they got to get their passport stamp. they got to get an expensive ticket. They got to get a COVID shot or whatever they else need to do. Rent a car. Yeah. <laughs> to get here, for them to get here for a week, seven days, eight days, they're coming for you. They're coming to be with you. That's why they're coming. Okay? So that's why I need to be there for them. That's why I need to show up. Because maybe I just need to get in a car, you know. Maybe I just need to get on a plane. I don't, you know, oh. whatever, you know. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So that's a little advertisement there. Um, so Moses hears God speak to him. And then he tells Moses, go back. But Moses is going to doubt as to what he could possibly do going back into Egypt. Number one, he's still a fugitive in his own mind. He's still on the run <laughs> mentally. Secondly, who's he going to take with him? You ever, you ever embark on a, on a, on a you know, on a lead of God and you're wondering, well, who else... <laughs> Who else is going to be around to help me? Who else is going to see what's going on? You know, Do they see the same thing I see? Well, maybe they don't, but if they see you see that thing and you go after that thing, maybe they'll come too. That can happen. Yeah, yeah, that's happening. So, but then he hears this. The Lord tells him, I will go with you. End of line. I will go with you. And, you know, that's where then it's not talent, it's not ability, uh, you know, it's not intellect, it's not resources. Pastor Chris, you know, was talking about like talking to some other servants, you know, and, and, and the list of what, you know, resources they have, what they draw from in terms of uh, talent. You know, there's no substitute. A gift of the Holy Spirit can't be counterfeited, can't be reproduced, can't be duplicated, and can't be controlled. It's a gift. It's a gift. And it's outside of the realm of the natural, you know. 
I mean, if the natural man could do what we're talking about here or what we, you know, what we're, you know, experiencing, then who, need, who needs what we're doing, okay? But no, this is supernatural. Mm. And it's supernatural not because it's some event or it's a visible thing. It's supernatural because even right now, even as I was saying, you know, God's speaking to me. God's speaking to us, okay? And he's going to call us to do that which is impossible and natural. Why shouldn't he? Moses, you're going back to Egypt. <laughs> you know, you, you run the risk of being, you know, in prison. You're going to stand before Pharaoh and say some things that, you know, Pharaoh needs to hear. Because you know what Pharaoh's going to say? You know, who is this God that I should worship him? Yeah. Interesting question. It's kind of like a two-edged thing. It was like, I, you know, I think I'm God, so I'm rejecting you. But who do you think that you are coming to me talking about this other God? Well, that's what people need to hear. Because if they're thinking that they're God and that they're going to run their lives and that they're the de determiners of their own destiny, they need to hear, that. oh, no, 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 there's another God. Mm. <laughs> and he's a living Christ. And you can know him. And he loves you. How are they going to find that out? We got to go back. <laughs> we got to go back. And maybe it's going back to, and I know that's what's happening up in Delaware, to what we grew up with. Mm. I love the fact that you said, you know, you were listening to a tape. <laughs> a tape? <laughs> Scotch tape? <laughs> yeah, hey, duct tape. Yeah, duct tape. Yeah, something's holding that together. Yeah. Proverbs. You know what? I mean, I don't know who it was. I think it was God, but I don't know who it was. But somebody, somebody made the quantitative decision that when Pastor Stevens was going to say anything, get a microphone under his chin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what do we got? We got uh, 6,000 plus messages. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 474 doctrinal booklets, you know, radio, Bible school classes. I mean, <coughs> we are very wealthy, mm -hmm. very wealthy. So all the more the reason I just, you know, spend and be spent. That's what Paul said, didn't he? Mm -hmm. yes. Just spend it, you know, because you're not going to drain the bank account. <laughs> you know, we, we, we win by losing. Mm. We gain by giving. You know, it's, it's like the, the divine equation is the inverse of everything that the world has said, you know, about who you think you should be and what you should be about with your life. What are you going to do with your life, you know? <laughs> Spend it on Christ. You know, why this waste was the indictment against the alabaster being broken, right? We heard that recently. And the fact that you could look at that empty alabaster box and, and say, you know, boy, I wish I had saved that for a rainy day. <laughs> well, guess what? It's raining. It's raining out here right now, right? It's, <laughs> okay. And, um, but just in closing, what God would do in gaining our attention to what he wishes to say to us in the next 48 hours. That's amazing. 
We're going to hear from him.